0: I'm Agnes Kurtzels. I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. You're listening to the Ag Knowledge Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Ag Knowledge Podcast. Today, we're going to be finishing off the last of our 25 states and their agriculture. And then we'll probably be talking a little bit about current events. So I think we're going to get started with Whitney. So we got Montana, which is our
2: 26th state. Their top production is cattle and calves. Their land grant is at a Montana State University at Bosman. and their total cash receipts are 3.5 billion dollars. Oh, of they have 27,000 farms. They're vital to their economy by providing jobs. And fun fact from Ag Daily: one out of every six Montana workers is employed in agriculture-related field. And the Montana cattle-calf production industry makes up for the largest fraction of sales with 37% overall for the state. And then other than cattle and calves, they also produce wheat, hay, barley, and then other miscellaneous crops. The Division of Agricultural Research and Extension Montana has an average farm size of 2,164 acres. And there are just under 27,000 farms in the entire state. Their cattle and calf ag commodity produces $1.27 billion. And then just under that is their wheat. Production at one billion, and then hay and barley.
0: Alrighty, so then moving on to our own home state, Nebraska. Cash receipts are twenty-one point four billion. Top commodity is cattle and calves, and our land grant is obviously for the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. So we are known for our deep roots in agriculture. Obviously, top commodities: cattle and calves, corn, soybeans, hogs, and dairy products. And we rank first in popcorn production, and we are the second largest ethanol-producing state in the nation, and we also rank number one for the production of great northern beans. Uh, Just a couple of other fun facts. 91% of Nebraska's land is used for farms and ranches, which is a lot of land. (laughs) Um, And then cattle also outnumber Nebraskans four to one, which is, I think we talked about it with um, what state did we talk about that with? Agnes, do you
1: remember? It was one of the I's. It was Idaho, I think. You know, Nebraska used to be known as the beef state, and then we are Obviously known as a corn husker state. So a lot of our agriculture revolves around those two things. things. Next up is Nevada. So, Nevada cash receipt is. $709 million. Their land-grant university is obviously the University of Nevada at Reno. They have about over 3,400 farm operations covering more than 6.1 million acres or 8.7% of Nevada. According to the Nevada Department of Agriculture, their agriculture is directed primarily toward range livestock production, meaning, you know, cattle and calves, and their cow-calf operation predominate with a few stalker operations and feedlot. They also raise dairy, sheep, lamb, and hog. And the larger cattle and sheep ranches are in the northern half of the state. Their arid climate is perfect for crops that can be irrigated. So they have a lot of alfalfa hay, which is the leading cash crop of the state. And the hay is sold to the dairy operations and surrounding states. They also have a large production of alfalfa cubes and compressed hay bales that go overseas each year alfalfa seed is also another like large part of their agriculture production along with potatoes barley winter and spring wheat corn oats onions garlic and honey That's pretty interesting
0: yeah i wonder how much like because i know nevada is kind of like dry or deserty so i wonder how i guess i'm wondering like how they go about conserving water and if there's any like special policies or anything for that that would be kind of interesting to look into in the future
2: up next we have new hampshire with Their cash receipts at $199 million. Their top commodities are nursery and floriculture. Their land grant is at the University of New Hampshire at Durham. Other top commodities also include dairy products, chicken eggs, turkeys, and cattle and calves. Even though the state's not the highest in agricultural production, it still has like a very unique industry. So their economy has over... 4,100 farms, and they also produce maple syrup, corn, and hay. They also produce a high number of sod for the country at just under $50 million worth. Their top commodity from their cattle and calves is milk with $54.8 million. And they also have somewhat of a corn commodity industry there.
0: Okay, moving on to New Jersey. Their cash receipt is $1.2 billion. Their top commodity is miscellaneous crops, what I would refer to as garden vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Their land grant is for Rutgers University, which is in New Brunswick. Food and agriculture is the third largest industry, according to the New Jersey Department of Agriculture, uh, behind pharmaceuticals and tourism. So those are kind of three interesting very different (laughs) so top commodities include floriculture blueberries bell peppers chicken eggs and then some other things new jersey is one of the top 10 producers of blueberries cranberries peaches tomatoes bell peppers eggplant cucumbers apples spinach squash and asparagus so like i said garden vegetables you can put apples on your salad if you want to that's kind of how i think about it
1: Next up is New Mexico. New Mexico leads in cash receipts for pecan production and superior quality nuts and some of the largest orchards. They have an annual cash receipt approaching almost $3 billion annually and directly supports over 23,000 jobs in the state. They have consistent production in high-quality alfalfa, and that contributes to the state's rank th- ranking as the 7th highest milk and 8th highest cheese-producing state in the nation, according to... The New Mexico Department of Agriculture, uh, their milk production supports several of the biggest cheese manufacturing plants in the country, and from 2002 to 2005, the milk production in New Mexico increased by 10%. They also produce a lot of onions, potatoes, pumpkins, watermelons, lettuce, cabbage, corn, and beans, and the state supplies 85% of the nation's fresh onions during June and remains the country's largest producer of their largest export, chili peppers. But they have a lot of other miscellaneous crops and hay, as well as some of their bigger exports. So
2: Interesting. Up next, we have New York, which isn't a state I think of as agriculture. I always first think of New York City, but nonetheless... All of the sectors in agriculture, including processing, are responsible for nearly 200,000 jobs, with their cash receipts at $5.3 billion, and their land grant is Cornell University at Ithaca, and their top commodity is dairy products. So some of these dairy products include yogurt, cottage cheese, and sour cream, and they also rank up in production of apples, snap peas, maple syrup, and cabbage, and then also grapes Italian cheeses, and surprisingly, tart cherries and squash are up there with their vegetables. But New York also produces corn for grain, hay, cattle and calves, apples, and floriculture. And so their production of dairy products and milk accumulates to about $2.7 billion. Their Apple production is $343 million. Okay, so on
0: to North Carolina. Cash Seeds is $10.6 Their top commodity is broilers, and their land grants go to the North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro, and then North Carolina State University in Raleigh. Their ag economy is supported by 46,000 farming operations, and it also supports over 70,000 jobs. Top commodities include broilers, like I mentioned earlier, hogs, turkeys, miscellaneous crops and soybeans they are ranked first in the nation for production of tobacco sweet potatoes and poultry and eggs
1: so they got a lot going on okay moving on to north dakota their agriculture receipt is 7.6 billion dollars and according to the usda's article north dakota agriculture and one word diverse their top ag products sold in 2017 were soybeans corn wheat cattle and calves other crops and hay vegetables melons potatoes barley and hogs in 2017, North Dakota led the nation in the production of all dry edible beans, navy beans, pinto beans, canola, flaxseed, seed, honey, dry edible peas, durum wheat, and spring wheat. That's a lot of stuff to be leading in. <laughs> they are also the number two producer of lentils, black beans, great northern beans, all wheat, and sunflowers. There's the sunflowers. There we, we finally
0: go. found the sunflowers, guys. I was looking for them in Kansas, and I found them in North Dakota. Who would
1: have thought? <laughs> That's... Very much in the opposite direction that I would have thought. (laughs) They are known as the Peace Garden State and sold $8.2 billion worth of agriculture products in 2017. They also grow sugar beets and potatoes throughout the Red River Valley. Does it say where the Red River Valley is? So
0: the Red River Valley would be like kind of near the border with Minnesota, so it's on the east side. Okay. According to my quick Google search.
1: (laughs) It says they're the third largest producer of sugar beets in the country and the fourth largest producer of potatoes and they are the largest honey producing state in the nation 33.7 million pounds of honey was collected in north dakota in 2017 which is 23 percent of the total collection in the united states oh my goodness that's a lot of honey that is yeah i would like when i think of north dakota i would not think they would have like a lot of potatoes i just feel like it's it's a very rocky i think it's rocky but then it's also like they kind of have a shorter growing season yeah
0: But I mean, if you think about it, Idaho is kind of right along the same line.
1: Yeah, but Idaho is, like, the main part of Idaho is lower.
0: That's true, but they could grow potatoes in the north part, too, if they wanted to. (laughs) that's
2: true. (laughs) They just might start their seeds. A little
0: different time.
2: Yeah. Could be. And who knows, they might utilize greenhouses to help that process if they do have a shorter growing season. Mm -hmm. Okay, up next we have Ohio. Their cash receipts are $8.5 billion, with a top commodity of soybeans. They have two land grants. The first one is at Central State University, Wilbur Forest, and the second is Ohio State University at Columbus. So according to the Ohio Farm Bureau, food and agriculture is a top contributor to the state's economy and provides one of eight jobs in the state. Ohio is one of the largest egg farming states in the nation. With producing 8.9 billion eggs per year, the state also ranks 7th nationally in pork production, 9th in turkey production, and is the top 20 beef and chicken production. The state is also the top Swiss cheese producing state in the country, which I would have thought would have been Wisconsin just because of their dairy production. But, you know, you gotta give it to Ohio for being the top producer of Swiss cheese. And then, just to round out the state, Ohio cows produce 628 million gallons of milk per year, and then soybeans and corn are also top crops in that state.
0: Okay, so now we're on Oklahoma. Their cash receipts are $6.7 and their top commodity is cattle and calves. Um, according to the 2017 Census of Agriculture, Oklahoma's animal industry... Showed the largest increase in sales between 2012 and 2017, with a 13% increase, which is a really big increase in five years. Yeah. Um, and they are known for its strong connection to animal agriculture. Uh, nearly half of its market value comes from cap cattle and cap. So 3.2 billion out of that 6. Seven comes from cattle and calves, so that's a very large commodity there. Um, some other commodities would be hogs, broilers, wheat, and cotton. Um, although eighty percent of its farmland is used for livestock, cropland still contributes to the economic impact. Um, so that includes the wheat, cotton, and forage. So that brings about one point five billion dollars in sales. So
1: next up is Oregon. So Oregon's cash receipt is about five billion dollars. Their top commodity is miscellaneous and they have a strong connection to the agriculture and have can in that can be seen in their diverse specialty crops offerings so according to the oregon's agriculture um, farm bureau oregon's agriculture makes up 13% of the state's gross product and results in 5 billion dollars about 2.5 billion in agriculture exports according to the 2021 report from oregon state board of agriculture oregon ranks number one in the u.s for hazelnuts crimson clover orchard grass seed fescue seed rye grass seed red clover seed sugar beets horseradish seed white clover seed and potted florist azaleas christmas trees and rhubarb that's a lot of seed that's a lot of seeds (laughs) yeah 39 percent of farmers are women their number one commodity is greenhouse and nursery products They have $144 million in commercial fish landings, more than 100 farmers markets in the state, and Marion County is number one in ag production in their state, as well as 96.7% of the farms are family owned. I would have never thought of them with like all the seeds and stuff that they offer.
2: Okay, next we have Pennsylvania. They have $6.6 billion in cash receipts top commodity of dairy products. And their land grant is Pennsylvania State University at University Park. So according to the Department of Agriculture, Pennsylvania leads in mushroom production with an annual production of more than 425 million pounds, valuing at about $330.7 million per year. But some of the other commodities the state produces, dairy products, cattle and calves, corn, miscellaneous miscellaneous crops, and broilers. We got some more facts. A quarter of the state is farmland with roughly 52,700 farms with a small average size of 134 acres. The state also produces $547 million in broiler production.
0: All right, so the next is Rhode Island. Um, their ag cash receipts are $59.2 million. Their top commodity is greenhouse and nursery products, which is kind of a trend we've seen with the smaller East Coast states. Um, and then the land grant is for the University of Rhode Island at Kingston. Ag is among Rhode Island's top industries, along with health services, tourism, and manufacturing. Farmland covers 10%, so that would be equivalent to 60,000 acres being involved in agriculture. Top commodities um, besides greenhouse and nursery products include dairy, sweet corn, chicken eggs and apples it is the smallest u.s state in terms of like square footage but it still has about um 1200 farms so even in small states we're still going strong
1: next up is south carolina south carolina has 2.1 billion dollars in agriculture cash receipts their top commodity is broilers at their last census they had 25,000. 266 farms on 4.9 million acres of farmland. Their state's fruit and vegetables are consistently ranked high nationally, including leafy greens, tomatoes, and watermelon, as well as being second ranked in peaches. Um, that's according to the South Dakota, or excuse me, South Carolina Department of Agriculture. <laughs> Poultry is the top commodity in cash value, but there are several other livestock species and byproducts contributing to the billion-dollar component. Some of them are beef, sheep, dairy, swine, horses, aquaculture, and even specialty animals like rabbits, emus, ostriches, rias, llamas, goats, and bees. Field crops such as corn, cotton, soybeans, peanuts, tobacco, and wheat are also grown on over 1.3 million acres. Yes, Claire? Pump the brakes. There's ostriches in South Carolina? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Since I when? And emus. What do you, I mean? What do you do with them? They lay eggs. Their eggs are a large, com- like a hot commodity that people want. Oh. Mm-hmm. And Raya's are
2: a- they- related to ostrich and in- emus.
1: I knew they are like similar species.
0: Like, they're the big, tall thing. Have like you birds, seen? You
1: know. Have you seen that episode of Dirty Jobs? I have not seen that episode of it's Dirty Jobs. Should I
0: have seen that episode? It's kind of funny. He
1: he, like they try to catch an ostrich, and they are. Just struggling to catch one. Aren't
0: ostriches kind of mean though?
1: They're mean they and they're be. huge.
0: Well, I don't think I'm qualified to work with
1: ostriches. <laughs> Claire? <laughs> you're like as big as one of their legs. Not <laughs> even.
0: <laughs> it would just kick me and I'd just lay on the ground and pretend I was dead. Like that would be me working with ostriches. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um the state's ornamental horticulture floriculture nursery and turf grass is also very high ranked. They are the second largest agriculture industry cluster of cash value in that green industry. Forests um occupy about 70% of the state's total land area. Um so it's really important in their state's economy and is about uh 17 billion dollars annually in their forestry and timber. But yeah. Okay.
2: Up next, we have South Dakota. It, you might think of South Dakota as, you know, open spaces in Mount Rushmore, but the state's top industry is actually agriculture. So their cash receipts is $8.8 billion with a top commodity of cattle and calves. And their land grant is South Dakota State University at Brookings. South Dakota's top agricultural commodities, other than the cattle and calves, are soybeans, corn, hogs, and dairy products. Farmers plant more than 5 million acres of corn each year, resulting in the sixth largest corn acreage amongst all of the states. You
0: know what? When we went to South Dakota, I got a dope pair of penny earrings and it has just occurred to me that I haven't seen them in like five years and now I'm gonna be mad about it. (laughs) Like press pennies or... No, no, no. They're just like, they're just like earrings... Like, normal earrings, but mm-hmm. they were, like, pennies. So it wasn't, like, oh. real pennies, but it was just, like, penny earrings. Gotcha, yeah. Because, like, Abe Lincoln, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know where they are, and now I'm going to have to go look for them.
2: Well, I think when my sisters visited Mount Rushmore, we bought a necklace, which a person had hand, like... Um, Woman? No, it was Beated. a quarter, and they had hand, like, carved out... Different pieces, so it kind of looked like a puzzle piece when you put all three back together. Oh. So I got so them like a
0: friendship necklace, kind like of like a sisterhood. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So each my sister, both of them, one's older and one's younger. So they got the ends, and then I got the middle. I don't know. Fun story. I thought I'd throw out there. Yeah,
1: cool things in South Dakota. <laughs> I'm surprised their tourism
0: isn't number one. That's what I was gonna say. I was mm-hmm. thinking like tourism is a big thing in South Dakota,
1: but I. Or they like have like, Because
0: they have, like, the Black Hills and everything. The Black mm-hmm. Hills
1: and the Mount Rushmore, but then also a lot of people go up there for fishing and stuff. Yeah, that's true. Well, anyways, moving well, right along.
2: Sturgis oh, is sorry. also in South Dakota. Oh, that's so.
1: true. Well, I, and a lot of people go up there to see the buffalo and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Laura Ingalls Wilder has... They have a lot of, like, history museums for her up there. Yeah. Who, who is that? She's an author. I'm sorry. She has, like, the, like pioneer that you read about oh my gosh it's when were her books they're like middle school age right
0: aren't they like little house on the prairie ish
1: yeah it's little house on the prairie and then there's like in the big woods or something there's long winter farmer boy i love her books it says it says her homestead is in dismit dis dismit dismit south dakota and then there's one along plum creek yeah, she wrote The Little House on the Prairie Okay. Girls, basically.
2: Okay, I know her work. I just, I guess I didn't know her name. Yep. So,
0: okay. Oh, yeah. All right. On to Tennessee. Ag cash receipts, $3.7 billion. That kind of surprised me. I thought it would be more than that. Uh, Top commodity is soybeans. Their land grant is for Tennessee State University in Nashville and the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. So nearly 70,000 farms on 10 million acres. They have a strong ag industry. Their top commodities besides soybeans include corn, cattle, and calves. Miscellaneous crops and broilers. Not only is it a huge economic driver, but the industry also employs three hundred forty-two thousand people. Um, and then farmland makes up forty-one percent of the total land in Tennessee. I guess that kind of surprised me. I thought Tennessee would have a larger cash receipt than that.
1: But I guess I it guess that doesn't su- really surprise me. It's a pretty like long, skinny state. That's true. I was thinking, but I just... they also have a lot of. A lot more in like the music industry and tourism, I That's think. That's
0: true. That's a good point.
1: Well, moving on to Texas, Texas has an annual agriculture cash receipt of twenty billion dollars. Their top commodity is cattle and calves. The twenty seventeen Census of Agriculture found that Texas ranks first in the nation for total number of farms w- uh, with over two hundred forty eight thousand, which accounts for more than one hundred twenty seven million acres of agriculture land. And in those, the top commodities, besides cattle and calves, are dairy products, cotton, broilers, and corn. One in seven employees are connected to agriculture um, in the agriculture industry. According to the USDA's article... Oh, okay, okay, um, Texas okay. agriculture growing in many ways. Okay, They're ranked second in poultry and eggs, which contributes to three billion in sales. With cotton and cottonseed ranking third in the state. They also, in twenty seventeen, had increased their honey sale by one hundred and fifty one percent. Nearly doubled their farms with oil bearing acres. I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't really think that cotton was a
0: Texas thing. Yeah, Am I just dumb. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense because it's pretty dry and arid. But if like I feel like when you learn in school, that's like a like
1: that's like a southeast states thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like Georgia, Alabama, yeah, yeah, Mississippi. Yeah.
0: So I guess that's just kind of something that I wouldn't have thought about. Yeah,
1: um, Texas also is ranked in a lot of like unique agriculture, I would call it anyway. They're ranked number one in deer, duck, geese, quail, and emus. Okay. Look so at those emus popping up again. Yeah. They also have that the the average age of a Texan producer is 59 years old. It's a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, it's 1.7 years higher than the national average.
2: Moving on, we have Utah, which their cash, res- cash receipts are $1.8 billion, with the top commodity of cattle and calves. Their land grant is at Utah State University at Logan. There are more than 100 million, wow, excuse me. There are more than 100,000 people in the state that are employed by agriculture and are in agribusiness. So an interesting fact from Ag Daily about the state's agriculture is that it is the second largest producer in tart cherries in the country. The state has nearly 11 million acres with a diverse agriculture industry with some of their top commodities other than cattle and calves are hay miscellaneous crops chicken eggs hogs wheat corn mink pelts their cherries and then wool barley safflower honey trout and mohar
0: the mink pelts kind of hit me out of left field (laughs) Mm -hmm. moving on to vermont we are now in the v's people we're moving on to vermont okay uh cash receipts our $728 million. top commodity is dairy products, and their land grant is for the University of Verm- Vermont at Burlington. Vermont is one of the smaller states, but they obviously have a very large ag industry. They are America's top producer of maple syrup. Go them. They have over a million acres as farmland, so that would be equivalent to 20% of Vermont. Uh, their top commodities besides dairy products include miscellaneous crops, cattle and calves, maple products, and hay. Dairy farms are the primary farm industry in Vermont, and they produce more than 2 billion pounds of milk annually.
1: So nice.
0: Vermont's getting it done. Good for them. <laughs>
1: Next up is Virginia. Virginia has an agriculture cash receipt of $3.3 billion. The top commodity is broilers. Uh, their production is one of the most diverse in the nation, it is the state's largest industry. <laughs> Many of Virginia's commodities and products rank in the top 10 among the US states. They're ranked third in leaf tobacco, sixth in apples, eighth in grapes, ninth in peanuts, and tenth in fresh market tomatoes. That's according to the Virginia Department of Agriculture, and they rank 6th in the nation in turkeys and 10th in broilers. According to Virginia's Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, every job in agriculture and forestry supports 1.7 jobs elsewhere in the Virginia's economy. Their agriculture and forestry exports are valued at $2.97 billion in 2018, up from $2.6 billion in 2017.
2: Okay, moving on to Washington. We're almost done with our 50 states. Their cash receipts are $9.9 billion, a top commodity of apples. And they have two land grants the first one at Northwest Indian College at Be- Bellingham, and then Washington State University at Pullman. They have about 39,000 farms operating with more than 15 million acres. Uh, Washington is the number one producer of apples, blueberries, hops, pears, spearmint oil, and sweet cherries in the United States. And according to the NASDA, Washington is the third largest agricultural exporter in the nation with $8 billion in exports. Some other top commodities for the state also include cattle and calves, dairy products, wheat, potatoes, grapes, and further down the list... I wanted to just throw out there, is mohair on their 31st and in the state.
1: Well, oh, angora hair. Angora goat hair.
0: Yep. Right. It's everyone's favorite West Virginia. Um. <laughs> why is it everyone's favorite, Claire? <laughs> because it's in a song that's really cool and that it's on my Spotify playlist. That's why it's everyone's favorite.
1: <laughs> you have everything on that playlist, Claire.
0: I know. <laughs> country road sorry i was gonna sing and then i decided against it because i'm not a good singer (laughs) okay um cash receipts 633 million top commodity cattle and calves their land grants in institute west virginia and west virginia university in morgantown west virginia So West Virginia leads the nation in the ratio of family-owned farms with 98% of their 23,622 farms being family-owned. So go them. Top commodities of the mountain state – I didn't know it was the mountain state – include cattle, calves, broilers, miscellaneous crops, turkeys, and chicken legs. Chicken eggs. (laughs) So because – West Virginia's got, like, a broken-up hilly landscape, hence it being the mountain state. Row crops only provide 20% of their ag sales, and then livestock accounts for the other
1: 80%. So that's how that works. Moving on to Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin has a national annual agriculture cash receipt of $11.4 billion with a top commodity of dairy products, which surprises no one.
0: (laughs) Whoa!
1: What? <laughs> no. Um, they're obviously known for their high-quality dairy products, and according to and it's NASDA, the Wisconsin's 1.28 million dairy cattle produce more than 30 billion pounds of milk, and is the national leader next to California. So while it ranks high in overall production of dairy products, Wisconsin ranks number one in corn for silage, cranberries, snap peas. Production and according to the 2017 Census of Agriculture, they've have 64,793 farms and 14.3 million acres in farmland with an average farm size of 221 acres. Wisconsin also has cranberries, ginseng, mink pelts, dryway for humans, goat milk, and corn for silage, which I said. Um, According to the Department of Agriculture, Trade and Consumer Production for the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin is also home of Culver's, Mm -hmm. which is a delicious uh, custard. Whitney is shaking her head no, and so I feel like her opinion is obsolete. (laughs) It's irrelevant. Culver's ice cream slap.
0: I got a gift card for it
2: once. So good. (laughs) I've been to a Culver's once. And it was not very good.
1: Well, you went to the wrong one, apparently.
0: Okay, the problem is, did you get ice cream? Because that's the stuff you get from Culver's, is the ice cream. They have a little fridge right at the checkouts with like little pints yeah a little pints i did that's not what you buy anymore. that's what you buy at
2: culver's or don't they have cheese curds too Oh, mm-hmm. they're cheese curds we got cheese curds the best that was probably the best out of the meal but
0: that's what i'm saying cheese curds are pretty good you don't go to culver's for the herring you go for the cheese curds and the ice cream i wouldn't go for the cheese curds because i don't like cheese but <laughs> <laughs> i could never live in wisconsin what would i do i eat
2: cranberries That's true. Okay, wait. (laughs) your turn. (laughs) Finish this out. (laughs) Last but not least, we have Wyoming. Wyoming. Their cash receipts are at $1.5 billion. Top commodity is cattle and calves. And their land grant is the University of Wyoming at Laramie. The 2017 Census of Agriculture showed that Wyoming producers operated the largest farms and ranches in the U.S. with an average of 2,430 acres per farm which is over five times the national average. Other top commodities include hay, hogs, barley, and dairy products. For the state, 48% of the total land area is federally owned. Some other their top commodities are sugar beets, eggs, dry beans, wheat, turkeys, wool, trout, honey, and mohair.
1: So that's going to wrap up our 50 states. Going on to our current events... So, I have an article here from agupdate.com about two companies planning on putting soybean crushing plants in northeastern Nebraska. So, these two uh, soybean crushing facilities would be 70 miles apart. One company is Norhawk Crushing LLC, and they announced on February 3rd is developing a $375 million soybean crushing plant, and that was following a announcement from Omaha-based Cooperative Ag Processing Inc., or AGP. On January 28th, saying that it was going to build a soybean processing plant near David City. This is obviously kind of exciting for a lot of farmers in the area because it gives them a better price on their soybeans and also it will create about 50 jobs on each site. The Norfolk facility would crush about 38.5 million bushels of soybeans annually or 110,000 bushels a day. Wow. They're planning to be operational in 2024. On-site they will be able to unload trucks at 60,000 bushels per hour, saving farmers and truckers time when they deliver. Say anything about being built next to like a railroad for export? So usually when that happens, they will detour a train station mm-hmm. to the plant. They won't build next to one, but they'll create railways there. Okay. AGP said they would be processing processing over 50 million bushels of soybeans per year. So, one would be pretty, one would be crushing 38 and a half and one would be crushing 50 million. So, a lot of bushels. Yeah, for Northeast
2: Nebraska and just two plants.
1: Both said that they're not really looking at too much of like a competitive spirit between the two, but they're hoping to help boost the economy in the area, especially for farmers because obviously they have a, another opportunity to get a different price on their soybeans. The Norfolk plant will produce soybean meal, oil, and holes. The oil will be sold to many segments, including the food industry, all the way to the biodiesel industry. And the plants make crude, degummed soybean oil as well. They will also produce 847,000 tons of soybean meal per year for livestock feed markets and 450 million pounds of crude soybean oil and 77,000 tons of pelted soybean holes, which is crazy when you think about it. The Norfolk Company will also be building a soybean crush plant in Alta, Iowa about two and a half hours from Norfolk called Platinum Crush. Nebraska marketing officials um, said that there could be issues with supporting the two plants because, again, they're, like, using a lot of soybeans in the area, Um, but two to four million bushels of soybeans produced in Nebraska, indicating potential need for bushels to come from other states. Does it say what potential states that could be? No, but I'm assuming since we're pretty close to the Iowa border, it would be them and South Dakota.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. then you wouldn't have to travel And mm-hmm. Minnesota. All that stuff.
1: But...
2: That's what I was thinking. Didn't know if they had any idea or not.
1: Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I think it's a great opportunity for farmers to get a good price on their soybeans, especially when we saw, like, right now with corn prices being up, it's going to cost more to plant it, but it also, you know, leaves a bigger margin for profit. But this could allow people that do rotational crops, you know, that go soybeans to corn in a rotation... Mm-hmm they can still plant soybeans without worrying about losing profit. But yeah, that's what I got. Okay.
0: So I found on um, Brownfield Ag News, uh, it's an article titled, Nebraska Could Be the First State to Move on Right to Repair Legislation. And I thought this was interesting because we have talked about this particular issue before. I know Agnes is very passionate about it. <laughs> um, so basically, they have interviewed people around lincoln and they're talking about how the price of repairs at local dealerships has just gone absolutely through the roof it's just very expensive um so state senator tom brant he has introduced legislation that would require dealerships to provide access to digital repairs and his quote says they really don't want to see this so it can be business as usual it's been good revenue stream to send mechanic or technician with the laptop computer they come to your farm they plug in and reset your system uh, so several states have previously introduced legislation similar to this but he says that's also where farmers have paid the price so yeah basically they're charging the mechanics wage for that guy to come out and reset the computer so that's obviously a pretty big expense to pay someone else to do labor when you could realistically have the ability to do it yourself. So he hopes or Senator Brandt hopes that this will put pressure on major dealerships to sign a national memorandum of understanding. So that would create a platform for owners and third party mechanics to have access to their digital repairs. Um, so it's called LB3. 543 and it was voted out of the judiciary committee last Thursday and is expected to be debated by the full unicameral before the late before the session ends in late March. So this is not like a federal bill. This is just on a state level. I didn't clarify that so I'd like to clarify that now. But so yeah, they're working on it and I know Agnes has a lot to say about this probably. Yeah.
1: Um <laughs> so the right to repair bill Just to go a little bit more into what it is, it's giving rights to people that own electric cars, electronics in general, and specifically agriculture equipment um, like John Deere equipment because a lot of that runs on a computer board or like an electric system. And basically you have to take it to a John Deere dealership or like How a Grossenberg or Greenline out. or something. Yeah. Somebody that is authorized to work on a John Deere equipment to fix your tractor. This is frustrating for a lot of reasons, mostly because it's taking time out of farmer's day to get it to a shop and then paying money to have someone else fix it when historically farmers have been able to fix their own equipment. The only time they would take it somewhere was if it was something that they couldn't do themselves or it was they didn't have time to do it themselves. So they would take it to the shop and then use a different piece of equipment. And right now with all these newer machines, we're seeing this rise of people not being able to work on their own equipment and John Deere's like response to that was basically saying You're just buying the product. You're not buying the right to that control board or whatever you want to call it. And that's frustrating to me because let's say you're renting an apartment because that's essentially what they're saying. You're just borrowing this, the electronics on the inside. If you're a renter and something in your apartment breaks, you have to go to your landlord, right? And they're required to fix it. You shouldn't be paying for it as the renter.
0: Because the landlord's required to fix it. But it would it would be like the landlord saying, okay, pay me for my time and labor to fix it. Even though you could fix it yourself, you have to pay me to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But another thing with that is like I feel like the computer stuff can get pretty complicated. So I could see how you would want someone who knows that stuff to work on it because you like you you know what i mean if you don't know yeah. how those systems work and you try to fix it yourself you could potentially make it worse yeah but then again you also have third party people who do know how to fix those things and might um be more convenient might come to you might you know what i mean there's a well, billion other reasons why it would be a good idea to not just have it at that one source but have multiple avenues to be able to come to a solution to fix your equipment
1: yeah well and that's the thing too though you there are are no third person parties that are allowed to fix it because the codes and stuff are exclusively and John Deere the, property. That's what the bill says. Like
0: you can fix it yourself or a third party could also
1: fix it is yeah. what the bill is proposing. Like again this goes for like vehicles and electronic devices, like a Tesla car kind of thing. But there is a federal case that's also looking at introducing the bill. This mm-hmm. is from Reuters.com. Um, U.S. lawmakers introduce right to repair bills to spur competition. Because um, I know there's three right now. I can't find it. But there's three plaintiffs, if you will, three like groups of people that are um, trying to get this bill passed in federal courts. And they're all basically um, I'm pretty sure one is for an electric car and the others are for agriculture equipment but their main premise is like it's creating a monopoly because you're not letting other people work on said equipment
0: and then along with that monopoly thing you get to set that price as high as you want it to yeah and not have any competition and that's why monopolies are illegal in the first place is because if you only are if you're the only one producing a thing You have to be
1: a million dollars and no one can do anything about it. Right. Especially if they need it. Yeah. And especially when we're moving to these new equipments and electric cars and stuff, you want people to use them. You want people to buy them. But if you can't fix them, a lot of people are, you know, throwing up as a con against buying your item because they can't fix it. That's a big thing with
0: like cars is you have to not only like look at the car itself and how it'll run, but how are you going to fix it? Because I know like Range Rovers, there's only a dealership in Omaha No one else is going to have the equipment or knowledge of rain rotors to be able to fix it. And that's a very expensive car. You know what I mean? And another thing, like, I know Subarus. Yas has a Subaru. My roommate has a Subaru. And so when my mom was shopping for a new car, I was like, you shouldn't get a Subaru because Yas said those parts were, like, really expensive. And my dad, he didn't take my expertise advice. He (laughs) asked our our, um, car guy, Mark, about it. And Mark's like, yeah, don't get a Subaru because they're expensive to fix. And I was like, I told you so, (laughs) but okay. (laughs) So that's just a good thing to keep in mind when you're buying equipment or even like computer stuff. Like not only does it run, does it have what I need, but also when it does break, who am I going to go to to fix it? How expensive is it going to be?
1: Yeah. Well, and like you said, because if your nearest John Deere dealership is... 40 miles away. That's a long drive. That's a long drive. And if your um, tractor can't drive itself there because it's you're broken down. You're going to have to haul it. Yeah, you're going to have to pay someone to haul it or you're going to have to haul it yourself. And that, that means you have to have a trailer big enough to carry it and is, is you know, road approved. Mm-hmm. And then driving the whole and way there. And that's
0: gas money, time, labor, all of that stuff that yeah. you have to spend to take it there and then take it back.
1: Yeah. And then obviously you have to pay to fix it. In that case, you're paying the mechanic and then you're also paying how many hours they're working Mm -hmm. and how long the building or the manufacturer, whoever's fixing it, has it on their property. So making sure to look at, you know, well, this equipment or this car has a history of this specific thing breaking down. Will I have enough money to repair it when I need to repair it? Mm -hmm. Or is the facility close enough to, you know, maybe come out to your house to fix it? or anything like that. So going back to the first article we were talking about uh, with the soybeans, this article is from the Illinois Farmer Today on agupdate.com with the articles called Green Future Includes Biodiesel, Leaders Say. So this article talks about how soybean growers are optimistic about the future of biodiesel. That's because it's a cleaner energy source for renewable sources and soybeans are are a big component in that. We had that ethanol episode where we talked about corn, but we didn't really mention soybeans that much. Biodiesel goes into a lot of things. We use them to lessen our demand from overseas oil production, and convert it to biodiesel is good for the whole nation. SAF or sustainable aviation fluid fuel, sorry, fluid. us <laughs> uh, SAF gives an impressive reduction of up to 80% in carbon emissions over the life cycle of the fuel compared to the traditional jet fuel it replaces, depending on the sustainable feedstock used production method and supply chain in the airport. Uh, so. said, the British Petroleum producer. Um, Shell and many other oil companies are also getting in on the bandwagon. One barrier is the cost though. SAF is more expensive than petroleum-based aviation fuel. But again, the benefits are environmental and health. But I think especially with like those two near us, I mean, there's quite a few like smaller airports around our area, but a lot of that oil would be beneficial around this area. Um, Especially when a lot of the farmers around here use airplanes to spray their crops and stuff Mm -hmm. for herbicides and pesticides. Back in Sutton, we
2: have a little airstrip and we have a pretty big business for spraying with airplanes. So that would be greatly beneficial for our community.
0: There's one, there's an airstrip right out by David City too. And you said that's where one of the plants were going to be. So Mm -hmm. my mom used to work there. (laughs) I think she did. I went there once with her, and I think she said she worked there, but it was a long time ago.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, even if it's in Madison County outside of Norfolk, it would be beneficial for the airport here in Wayne because they have a
1: pretty big, I don't know, what would it be called? Like a reach? Yeah. But analysts expect U.S. farmers to expand soybean acres by 5% because corn is so expensive. And that much of an increase will likely become, will come because of the high fertilizer prices. Also, we saw the price glyphosate go up because of the hurricanes down in Louisiana and along the Gulf where a lot of those plants are. So yeah, I think it's a, a good time now for soybean producers to be increasing their fields because Again, especially in this area, we're having those two plants come up, hopefully be open by 2024, which is only two years, which is crazy. And then, you know, the price of corn is still up, which is good if you're selling, but if you're, you know, buying, it's not so hot right now. Um, But it says that you're mitigating 74% of greenhouse gas emissions for every gallon of petroleum you replace with soybean biodiesel. I think the push for soybean-based biodiesel and then obviously corn ethanol is going to keep increasing over the next 10 years or so just because we're having to go to more um, renewable resources. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our podcast this week. Tune in next week at Thursday at 3 for more Ag Knowledge.
2: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ag Knowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Listen to KWSC 919 The Cat on the TuneIn app. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Surf Day by Marcos H. Blanos, found on freemusicarchives.org. The song was edited for the use of this podcast.